All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome to tonight's edition of Elections Weekly. Uh, with us tonight, we have uh, myself and Kraz. <laughs> Dylan should be joining us here in a second. Joe could not make it tonight due to a, a personal um, matter he has to attend to. Uh, but he should be back here next week um, if all things are going well. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go right into it. And uh, this week, we've got a pretty short episode for you. We're just going to go into the Wyoming primaries here. I'm uh, going to talk about some nonsense that has happened in the state of North Carolina, my home state. And then we're also going to go over uh, some of the primaries coming up uh, next week. But let's go ahead and go right into it. Uh, as you already know, if you watched, if you're one of the 24,000 people who watched our live stream, apparently, uh, Liz Cheney uh, lost her primary on Tuesday. She lost it by a wide margin. Uh, almost all the votes are in. Uh, she says 99% of the votes are in. And um, with this total right now, um, she has lost the Republican primary with 66% of the vote. Um uh, going to Mar uh, Harriet H Hagman, the uh, Trump-endorsed nominee here, and only 29% of the vote going to Liz Cheney. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and share my screen here so you can see exactly what this map looks like because it's very interesting what this map looks like. Uh, you may notice a pattern here um, going from election to election. So this right here is the uh, the presidential election in Wyoming. Uh, you'll notice that Donald Trump won nearly almost 70% of the vote here, which is just Wow. Um, uh, but he lost two counties. He lost Teton County, which is a fluent ski country county, and he lost Albany, which is home to a college. Uh, Liz Cheney's map looks exactly the same. Um, she lost, uh, she won Teton County by a very wide margin. Uh, it had some pretty high turnout, probably due to Democrats switching to the Republican primary. And she lost Albany County by a pretty similar margin to what Trump lost by. Um, so, not a great night for her. Uh, you'll notice, again, 113,000 votes just for Hageman. Uh, the Democratic primary had 7,000 total. compared to 170,000 <laughs> for all the Republicans. Um, but, yeah, some of these margins were just crushing. In Cheyenne, uh, Cheney only got 38%. That's one of the bigger cities. Uh, Natrona, 30, 30%. And then Park County, only 24%. And some of these other ones, she just got pathetically small totals. Lincoln County, only 19% of the vote, 12% of the vote. So, not a great night for Liz Cheney. We, of course, expected this to go uh, fairly poorly for Liz Cheney. Um, obviously, she had been facing some popularity issues for uh, her, you know, her, um, not, I wouldn't say so much for the Trump impeachment vote, but a lot of what came afterward, which is joining the January 6th commission, focusing almost entirely on Trump and alienating leadership is the big one. Leadership side with her, that first attempt to get rid of her from leadership following that vote, they sided with her. And the perception among them is that she stabbed them in the back later. So that's why you saw some of the, like Kevin McCarthy and a bunch of other uh, pretty normal, normie Republicans going pretty heavily at Liz Cheney. Um, well, so I'll go ahead and throw it to, uh, real, yeah, go ahead, Dylan. Sorry, I just wanted to say, um, yes, it wasn't solely the impeachment vote, but, but it was mostly. eight out of Eight out of ten of the impeachment Republicans have lost. So yeah, whether yeah, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying specifically. Yeah, I'm just saying specifically this also there's a huge part in why this was so bad is Republicans actively fought to get rid of her. Whereas for most of these other primaries, they um, stayed neutral or endorsed the incumbent. Like Peter Meyer, obviously, you know, I think the worst one was um, Tom Rice Tom in Rice. South Carolina only getting about this percent of the vote. Um, but that was also an inexplicable decision on his part. And they weren't, it's like Republicans were actively campaigning against him. Um, so I know Dylan is not a huge fan of Liz Cheney. Uh, you were on that stream. I think your perception remains unchanged that you find this incredibly amusing um, overall. 
I like when I like when bad guys lose. Um, unfortunately, a bad guy <laughs> also won here. So um, <laughs> wasn't Hager, wasn't wasn't Hagman like anti-Trump back in like twenty? Yeah, she's a never Trumper. She was a never Trumper who was a cruise delegate tried to get <laughs> tried to get Trump un- removed at the convention. Um, big list Honestly. Cheney supporter until. You know, recently. Well, yeah, honestly, <laughs> the irony is delicious. <laughs> the irony so of the, most of the Liz Cheney political compass of all the positions that she's alienated over yeah. the years. I just found it hilarious. Um, this well, is the end of the Cheney dynasty. Like, yeah. She, that, that compass was funny because it's pretty accurate about like she, obviously, like the Cheney name is not popular with, with most Democrats because of, of the history there with her, her father. More and then, popular now. Well, more popular now, maybe marginally, but like there's that. And then there's the whole thing with her sister, which I think makes a lot of people who maybe mm-hmm. otherwise would be kind of sympathetic to her, like look at her pretty negatively. Um, and then also you have to consider like, you know, she's not popular with the Trump base. She establishment Republicans feel like they sta- she stabbed him in the back. Like she's managed to take you know essentially like a gift from god in in being part of a political dynasty and turn it into like just a, an, MS, well, an msnbc gig i guess but like otherwise very much well, i mean you, I you mean, underestimate how much how much of an msnbc i mean she could be a view co-host in about five years or so yeah uh, yeah it could be big yeah i mean all she needs now is a failed presidential run and yeah she'll be on the view switch to the forward party uh run <laughs> Oh god. my god, could you imagine her in a forward party? Uh, <laughs> yes, I can. I think it's actually very possible. Her you and think? Adam Kin- her and Adam Kinziger. Kinziger was uh, pretty vocal in supporting Yang and that whole uh Acosta interview thing and said maybe we need a third party. So this is just be like reform UK where you get like two or three congressman to switch to it and then they all get removed either just Kinsinger got gerrymandered out because Cheney lost and then they just dissolve as a party um, yeah they, they run for oh president get three percent of the vote i still think oh three percent no three percent three percent is too much three percent is too generous to the forward party uh i think 0.3 percent is a little bit more realistic well they're gonna have a they're gonna have a an absurd amount of money behind them so <laughs> Who wants to fund that? Like their motto is literally like <laughs> their their motto is not left, not right, forward. Kras the Kras the Lincoln Party exists. The Lincoln Project exists. Um, <laughs> I mean, I not left, I just, not like, right, forward is one of those slogans that sounds great when you're 13 years old. And then yes. you realize this isn't actually a slogan that makes any sense whatsoever. Well, and the real <laughs> problem for Yang is he tried to turn that slogan into a defensible policy position for how he'd deal with abortion. Yeah. Honestly, I want to see the backward party. I want to see like the integralist backward party, not left, not right, backward. <laughs> Eric, that's called the Sierra Club. Oh. Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but obviously, uh, we, we played we played taps in the chat for or played taps in, the, in our session for Liz Cheney. Um, her political Which I, career I protest, <laughs> yep, her political career is over. Um, her career as an MSNBC contributor or maybe She's a host of a new CNN kidding. show, Bulwark <laughs> contributor. I hear there's big money writing for the Bulwark. Um, <laughs> and I'm kind of jealous of all their grifts. I mean, 
they have such good grips. I mean, you get to you get to take money from people who are nominally Democrats but desperately want to feel like they can respect a Republican again. Oh yeah, nobody nobody the media loves nothing more than a Republican that does not like other Republicans. This has been consistent for the last 40 years. You can back to John Anderson, like they just love these guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Democrats who don't like other Democrats. Yeah, of course. That's the Fox News gig. That's the Zell Millers of the world. And yeah, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. They usually yeah, get their own Fox News show or become a co-host or get, write a book or something. Um, usually it's one of those three. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to go ahead. I think that we've kind of exhausted Wyoming. I want to go to probably what's going to take up most of our show is the North Carolina Alaska. nonsense. Oh, yeah, Alaska. Uh, let's admit, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's going to be Sarah Palin, I think, is the winner here, but we don't really know I, because Alaska system is stupid. So I think so, but I'm actually like not – I'm not like supremely confident in that only because if this last 20-ish percent of the vote is what we think it is, which is, is it's going to be mail ballots from predominantly like Democratic-leaning areas, so it's going to be pretty Democratic, that means Peltola is going to have like 40 and Palin's going to have like 30.7 or something. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard 42% is probably what she needs to be closer to, 42, 43%. So I think I think 42 is what she probably needs to be closer to. But if you run the I'm, – I'm let me run the math on this right here. Yeah. If, it's 40, if it's 40 to 31, let's say to 29 which would be the last last bit for baggage so let's say that's the that's the math and 20 percent of baggage's voters um leave the ballot blank which is i think a, a fairly okay estimate for a, a partisan race like this and ranked choice voting and 20 percent of his voters go to um peltola that gives her about 46 percent of the vote and then the remainder goes to um uh Palin. Uh, Palin, that would give her about 48. So Palin would win 48-46, which then with because of the ranked choice voting stuff would turn into a 51-49 win. Wait, that's Yeah, it's I think it's a pretty it it's a pretty tough window because you have to assume a lot of bigots voters are not going to vote for Palin. You have to assume right. like there's a lot of assumptions you have to make. This is a dumb system. I want to reiterate how dumb this is. Alaska votes almost entirely by mail. It takes weeks for results to get in. You could have accomplished this exact same thing with less steps with approval voting. Approval yes. voting is like ranked oh, choice yeah, voting, except it's not dumb. Just vote for as many candidates as you like. Literally, it's it's you tabulated immediately. There's no need to retabulate anything. We do this for city yeah. council races, county commission races all the time. Just do approval voting. We won't have to wait five weeks to get the results well, here. With with approval <laughs> voting, with approval voting, Begich wins and it's not close, I don't think. Because yes. Yeah, because yeah, because all the Palin voters are or not all, but a lot of the Palin voters are okay with him. His voters are okay with him, and even a lot of the Democrats are okay with him. So yeah, no, Bega twins comfortably in approval right. vote. Yeah, the um, problem is rank choice is much more complicated and complicated. Is there's nothing that makes an election reform advocate uh, more excited than a very complicated voting system that has as many steps as possible to mathematically result in the winner getting over fifty percent of the vote, even if fifty percent of voters did not vote for them. My election reform is very consistent. I believe we should have way more elections, and they should be done via approval voting. Um, I, I don't know why people don't talk about approval voting. It's We literally uh, do this for city council races. I, I'm used to voting for multiple candidates in my county commission. You vote for four mm -hmm. of them, like three or yeah. four of them. 
elect ju- elect judges, elect cabinet positions federally, and do it via approval voting. Yeah, but regardless, we won't know this. For, we won't even know any additional results until next week. I'm pretty sure is what I've heard that we won't get any additional results until then. So this is all the coverage we can give for Alaska, other than like this rough estimate of like how the votes yeah. could go out. Oh, um, I did have a question, actually, Eric. Go right ahead. Did the did the governing coalition survive again? In the House, it's more iffy. The Senate is kind of weird because right now, Kathy Geisel, who is a very coalition-friendly person who's endorsed um, Bill Walker, is ahead in her primary over another – is it basically the, – the candidates are all going to go to the general. So it's going to be two Republicans and a Democrat. Kathy Geisel lost her primary last time for being too liberal. Uh, Kelly Merrick is leading hers, but again, we – I would be hesitant to say any of these people are favorites because we don't know how the votes change from the primary to the general. Um, the primary, you have a bunch of candidates on the list and the general, the party can pick the nominee. They're going to, they're going to lobby for, it's not just one-on-one like in California or in Washington where you can trace the results pretty consistently. This is four of them. So I would actually be pretty hesitant to just say from going off of anything, my initial assessment would be it's more likely there's a coalition in the Senate than in the house. Um, but that's just I, I think the coalition's at like 19 members right now ahead in the house, 18 or 19. So I really don't know. Um, the part of the problem for a coalition is that it's going to be binding. Um, so we really don't know. But the, the coalition has two friendly people for them ahead in the Senate, um, which would be that would put it at 10 to 10, uh, at which point there probably would need to be a coalition of some type. Mm hmm. The House seems a little bit less likely, but this is pretty typical. The House always, the coalition loses seats, and then they somehow get more because they don't get the hint of what Republican primary voters like, except there's no Republican primary anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I may write about this, I, but again, I don't want to talk too much about the top four because we really don't know how this is going to go. There's not the system anywhere else in the country, so I don't feel comfortable saying we can predict where the ballots are going to go to um, or how things are going to go up from a primary to a general, like in Washington, where it's very reliable. That, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, if they get this part much, the Democrats are going to gain about four points. Like, that's pretty consistent across mm-hmm. the board. Uh, since Kraus and I are on tonight, we're going to go talk about this latest North Carolina uh, nonsense. One of the strange. Uh, so basically, right now, North Carolina has a four to three Democratic majority controlled Supreme Court. Two of these seats are open in November. Democrats are pretty heavily favored to lose one, if not both of them. There's even a poll came out. It had Beasley ahead. And these Supreme Court nominees done by six or seven points on the democratic side that's really bad so they're they're it's pretty much a it's pretty much a given it's pretty much expected that democrats will lose the north carolina supreme court uh today is the last one of the last days of court hearings you know the, the leandro case is going to be coming up as well which is equally iffy constitutionally um but they had a big ruling today in naacp versus more uh, the naacp challenged two constitutional amendments that were passed in 2018 uh they said these amendments were should be struck down because the legislature was gerrymandered and a gerrymandered legislature cannot pass constitutional amendments. And the North Carolina Supreme court agreed with them and also said, maybe, and also threw it down to a lower court. So I'm going to sum it up real quick. And then I'm going to throw it to crash to kind of get into more detail on why this is really not great, because I think we're both in agreement. This is pretty concerning in terms of what the implication of this could be. So um, Republicans, the, uh, they had to redraw the maps in 2018 because a court ruled that it was gerrymandered. The legislature was gerrymandered. This resulted in them losing, among other things, their uh, majority, uh, not majority, their supermajority in the legislature. 
Uh, they've been, it was ruled they need to do it. They need to actually, so, no, sorry. They redrew it after 2018. They were doing it in 2020. They lost those seats in 2018 already. So that was then preemptively ruled in 2020 that these seats were bad and need to be redrawn. Um, so the NAACP's argument here is that because the legislature was gerrymandered, uh, they did not have the will of the people and this did not have the necessary support to pass a constitutional amendment. This is nowhere stated in the North Carolina Constitution. It's not even implied at. Uh, but the Democratic majority, realizing their time is limited here probably, has agreed. So basically what they said was, one, these two constitutional amendments um, was that, yes, a, a gerrymandered legislature cannot pass constitutional amendments. You need two third – you need – you need a supermajority to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot, and then you need voters to approve that. Voters approve both of these amendments, the voter ID amendment, which is just a, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea if we passed a voter ID? The legislature should do this. It's non-binding. Should here means they, they would be a good idea if they did this. Not The legislature must do this. Um, it's not a binding deal at all. The income tax one caps the maximum income tax in the state at 7%. Voter ID passed with 11% of the vote. The income tax one passed with 17% majority. It won a majority in Wake County, Mecklenburg County, Forsyth County. This is not a controversial amendment. But education advocates, among others, want to increase taxes at some point. And so they argued that this, these both need to go away. The courts, so first and foremost, the court said, yes, legislature cannot pass constitutional amendments if they're gerrymandered. They also said that this doesn't really matter unless the gerrymandering would impact whether the amendment passed in the legislature. So basically the other three, two amendments that passed hunting and fishing and uh, Marcy's law, neither, neither of which very controversial at all. They, those passed overwhelmingly as well. Um, those passed with near, near, near unanimous support in, in the legislature to get on the ballot. So those aren't impacted at all. The, mm -hmm. the, the court's basically saying is that those would have passed anyway, regardless of gerrymandering. Um, so, Basically, what they're pointing to is that if if a majority, if these districts were not gerrymandered, the two income tax and voter ID would not have passed. This is true. On top of this, they're also saying that if the, if the, this happens, and the ones could have are racist, could have a racist impact, then the lower court can look at them and say, yes, this should not have been passed. This is discriminating against the group. The group is harmed by the gerrymandering, and so the bill is the gerrymandering is out of the way. The, these have to go away because gerrymandering resulted in racist law. Their argument for voter ID is pretty obvious that voter ID is racist. Um, you can disagree or, or agree with that, but that's the general assumption is that the voter ID law would be racist. The income tax one, even the Supreme Court admits this is iffy. They basically said that it's racist to cap the income tax at 7% because higher taxes favor poorer communities. That if you tax the rich more, this favors poorer communities, which are predominantly communities of color. And thus, if you cap the income tax, you're basically mandating a tax cut to the wealthy which has an impact on the poor, which means it's racist. That's pretty iffy, and that's the one that the court could look down at. So this is going to a lower court in Wake County, which is then going to decide whether to strike these amendments down um, temporarily, because these will absolutely be overturned in 2023. Uh, but so they could, they're almost certainly going to strike down the voter ID, and there is a good chance they strike down the income tax cap, which will have no practical impact whatsoever because the legislature is not going to raise the income tax. So Kraz, why is this potentially a problem? <laughs> so it's just a weird legal theory that I'm surprised the court bought because, <clears throat> so I think my understanding is this. I haven't read the full decision. My understanding is this. The court was trying to limit itself by saying it was only looking at things that were passed between the time that the legislature was 
found by the court to be an unconstitutional gerrymander and the time when the districts were redrawn and the members were reelected. The reason for this is that going back in time and looking at every single legislature um, and trying to invalidate laws is both silly and also um, kind of like an ex post facto thing. Like there's no fair warning. Mm -hmm. There's no due process there. The theory here, I think, is that, you know, the legislature already knew it had been ruled an unconstitutional gerrymander. So the fact that it passed it, it had fair warning that it was unconstitutionally elected. I don't I don't really buy that argument. Um for a few reasons. Um, the first is I think Eric pointed this out to me when um, before we before we went live, but he pointed out that there were other things passed in that time period, including veto overrides that also likely wouldn't have passed with a fair map. Um, and the court didn't really seem to look at those either. Also, the limiting it to things that have a racially disparate impact doesn't really make any sense. Like it makes sense on a surface level because the legislature was an unconstitutional gerrymander because it used race to gerrymander, but it doesn't follow that then the legislature is only barred from doing things that have a racially disparate impact, right? Like if you, if if the legislature is illegally elected, it's illegally elected, right? It doesn't get to only do, it doesn't get to do things that don't relate to the reason <laughs> why it was unconstitutional. It doesn't make any sense. There's no connection there. And so- Yeah, I, d I don't think it would be as strange a decision if, the court invalidated all laws passed during that time frame. So the, the problem is there that, are things yeah. that Democrats would not like to be repealed over it, like teacher pay raises, budgets, bond initiatives, that sort of thing. Yeah. So this is the thing is that I actually kind of agree with Dylan in that, like, I think if they had said, look, everything passed in this time period is null and void, that would be kind of absurd and a little bit silly. <laughs> at least it would, at least it would be logically consistent, right? Right. Like at least it would be like in Mississippi, I think it was um, maybe a year or two ago. The Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court ruled that oh, really? because the state constitution requires signatures, it re requires ballot measures to get signatures from all five state congressional districts. And the state has only had four <laughs> for 20 years that every single ballot measure in the Wait, last what? 20 years in Mississippi is invalid. Wait, which, what? Yes. Um, yeah. So it was a little bit. I think that was an example of a decision that maybe was a little bit silly. But um, at least they were consistent there, right? Like at least they, at least they, um, they, they, they kind of stuck with it all the way through. Um, in this North Carolina case, they're really not sticking with it all the way through. They're kind of half-assing it, and they're kind of like trying to come up with a limiting principle, but there really is no limiting principle. The other problem with this is that it assumes, like, it goes through and it counts the seats. This is another problem because it assumes that if the map was drawn fairly, that every single one of those yes votes would have been replaced with a no vote which mm -hmm. is not That's necessarily nonsense. true, right? Like That's you ridiculous. Yeah, you can't really assume that. Um, and so I think it just, it operates with a level of kind of surgical certainty that, that makes no sense um, and actually isn't really certain and isn't really precise at all. Actually, this is a, this is a very silly legal theory um, and I'm actually surprised. <laughs> I'm actually shocked it gained any traction. I've never, I've never heard this argument before and this is, this is silly, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I don't and like I don't think it's a bad argument to make on a messaging level, but right as a as a judicial theory, little strange, little strange. Yeah, and the weird thing is this is basically over nothing because Democrats aren't going to win the legislature anytime soon. They pretty much established they can't win a fair map in a neutral year. Um, they're probably gonna they there's a good chance they lose a supermajority in a fair map that was drawn by the court this year. There's a reasonable chance that happens. 
the voter ID is literally meaningless. It's like, it's just a statement of like, we should have a voter ID. Wouldn't that be cool? Don't you agree with that voters? We should do this. And then you could think the legislature can look, look, the okay. voters want this voter ID law. It's not racist. We're going to pass it. That was literally the theory here. And then the court struck down the voter ID law anyway. Yes. Yeah, uh, Democrats aren't going to raise the income tax rate above 7% because they're not going to have the legislature. <laughs> I, I don't like non-binding ballot initiatives. That doesn't make any right. sense to me. Yeah. Like, why am I going to have a ballot initiative so voters can say, yes, do this, when the legislature is under no obligation yeah. to then do it? <laughs> right to hunt and fish amendment. It literally just adds something to the Constitution that's saying people have a right to hunt and fish. Is this a practical change in anything? No. no. Is it something most people agree with? Sure. Did 40% of voters vote against it anyway because Republicans supported it? Yes. <laughs> I, I think it's a silly thing to add to the constitution yeah. but if you I, want to whatever <laughs> yeah so like number one this is not going to if this holds it's not going to be in a way democrats want because this could be if, if paul maybe really wants to apply this legal theory he could apply some interesting ideas to this thing like for example the legislature was gerrymandered in the 1990s when when the governor of north carolina was given a veto power and it was egregiously racially racially gerrymandered according to court rulings back then. So I'm sorry, Governor Roy Cooper, you don't have a veto anymore. <laughs> like you could like yeah, if, you, if it holds, you would have you to take this sort of nonsense. Like Yeah, but you would have to take the limiting fact. You would have to take you the would. limiting factor off of it and you take would. the decision from kind well, of weird to completely you, ridiculous. Well, okay, okay. Wait, but I actually think, I mean, you probably do because I think you have like fair notice and due process problems if you start saying yeah. that like you can go backwards in time like that. But in theory, <laughs> not really, right? If if you really buy, and I think these like judges do kind of buy it at some level, like that it's not like the legislature became racially gerrymandered just when they ruled it was, you know, in theory, the legislature was always racially gerrymandered and the court was just stating facts and coming to the correct mm -hmm. conclusion when it looked at the facts in the law. So under that theory, right, under that theory, um, you know, then then the legislature was always racially gerrymandered and it was always illegitimate. Mm -hmm. And so there's no like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but you would still yeah, have the, the more accurate. You, you would yeah, still have the due – I think you would still have the due process problem yeah. of – in this case, the court specifically ruled that and then they did these things. The yeah. court the in more the accurate, 90s yeah. didn't say it was racially gerrymandered and then uh, – there, there were some legislative – there were maps that were struck down in the 90s because of gerrymandering and there were maps in the 2000s that were struck down because of racial gerrymandering. What I think the most likely scenario though is is that – the Republicans have a 5-2 majority Supreme Court in 2023. The legislature sues for something. And then the Supreme Court like, repudiates itself immediately like, this was wrong. We repudiate this ruling. This is never happening again at minimum. And I don't know if they could actually retroactively go back and say, actually, this law is no longer unconstitutional. That seems a bit odd. But Republicans could easily um, you know, have a supermajority or have enough to put them on the ballot, put these up again, and they would pass again by wide margins because North Carolinians don't like taxes. And North Carolinians, um, you know, like voter ID generally. So, like, it, it would just be back where you started. Um, the more crazy one, which I don't, I don't want to take too much time up with this because it, it's not happening yet, and we still got other stuff to go over. Is the Leandro case, where two consecutive state controllers have basically told, it's basically a judge is long. It's been long ruled that North Carolina is in violation of a, of a provision in the Constitution saying that you need basic right to education. Uh, they basically just been telling the legislature for years, pay more for education. The legislature has been like, no, um, or not as much as you want. So 
the plaintiffs and the defendants in this case, which the plaintiff is Roy Cooper and the uh, executive and the, the defendants are the school systems, have come to an agreement on this like $750 million package um, over multiple years. Uh, so $750 million the first year, which would fund education okay. more. And a judge has basically said uh, to the Treasury, withdraw this money from the Treasury and spend it on this which is not legal in North Carolina. You can't, uh, the legislature is the only one who can appropriate and spend money. Um, two consecutive controllers here, the last one appointed by Roy Cooper, have said, if you do this, we could literally be arrested and subject to liability, both civil and criminal liability for doing this, because this is illegal. Um, so the, the Supreme Court may also order this in coming weeks, which would be, again, um, borderline constitutional crisis. I think if they do that, the legislature would seriously consider impeachment. Uh, which they would not be able to do, but it would remove these judges from the bench until the legislature decides to hold a trial. Um, which again, full-blown constitutional crisis in North Carolina. Keep an eye out for this because I think that one is actually going to be the more problematic one because the legislature is not happy about this one. They weren't happy about the maps. When you take away the legislature's power to spend money, that is when they get really, really angry. Really, really angry. Um, like, just nothing good will come out of this. Um but so, yeah, keep an eye on the Leandro case because that one is coming up very soon. The court will rule on this and you may see some actual like constitutional crisis shenanigans in North Carolina. Real quick, though, before we close, uh, let's talk about this week's primaries. New York primaries, Florida primaries. Oh, no. Florida's mostly boring. New York. Well, no, there is New York's one. Got some fun ones. Sorry, there is one. Oh, the Laura Loomer one. Yeah, the Webster no, Loomer well, one. Um. um no, the uh, well, it might be the Webster Loomer one. I don't know that one. <laughs> so there's the Webster Loomer one, and then there's the one in the open district that Val Deming is vacating. I'm pretty sure what Dylan was trying to get at. Yes, sorry, yeah. my echo kept trying to talk to me. Um, <laughs> um no, the uh, Grayson, uh, Alan Grayson re-entry into Florida politics again. Yep. Alan um, Grayson, what a good blast from the past. Um, you gotta, we got to get the Alan Grayson, Alan West matchup again. We got to bring back the, the good old names. Oh, Alan West. Remember when he thought <laughs> he could be the, the governor of Texas? Yeah. Um, no, so Alan Grayson is trying to re-enter politics against a... Uh, Against a Congress, uh, against a leading candidate who has literally been endorsed by everybody, um, <laughs> literally has been endorsed by every progressive group, um, the Orlando Sentinel, uh, the Crypto Packs. <laughs> Everybody's behind this guy, and then Alan Grayson's like, "Hi, I want to come back," and he's just running flyers of from like Obama and Pelosi from ten years ago, saying well, Alan Grayson is great, and not like, even that. <laughs> He uh, okay. There are texts floating around um, accusing the leading candidate Alejandro Frost of sexual assault, like Ooh. anonymous allegations being texted to voters. Oh, that's that's absolutely what something Alan Grayson would do. Yep. Yeah, I don't want to say it's Alan Grayson, but it started <laughs> happening immediately after Alan Grayson entered the race. So yep, no, that's Alan Grayson right there. Oh boy. Didn't he get in trouble because he, um, what did he really get in trouble for? Domestic violence, I think. Oh, Being well, that was one of them. Being an idiot, for one. Like, I, I was going to say, there was... the, he's basically the Democratic version of Matt Gates. I mean, essentially, like, <laughs> there, there was something about, like, he got on the floor of the house and used, um, 
uh, images from like Auschwitz to compare to the house's refusal to pass like universal health care or something. Um, don't com- okay. Don't compare anything to the Holocaust. So that, that I remember that cool. one. <laughs> um, I don't remember what else though, but I think he did get in trouble for a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah, he 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 basically was like was when I say he's the Matt Gates, I don't mean in like the the grooming stuff. I mean like just in terms of the general lunacy and outrageousness. Like that's what he was. He was basically the Matt Gates of Florida uh, of the Democratic look, Party before that. I, I'm looking up Alan Grace and just because I'm assuming there's a laundry list. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, again, it was the Grace and West one. They generally have been like the most delusional. Um, one of the most delusional races of all time. Like it was just generally domestic abuse. Yeah. He sent a fundraising email comparing the tea party to the Ku Klux Klan. Um, he, yeah, he, like he, he had some tendencies to go on some weird right wing programs. Uh, like apparently he went on the Alex Jones show criticizing the, the fed reserve, uh, fed reserves chairman. Um, yeah, like okay. he, he basically, yeah. Okay. Um, he, weird. yeah, he like he's basically like the dirtbag left guy of Florida. It, it, it's there's too much to go into, but New York Perhaps. though, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it oh. will, they'll be interesting to watch. The Loomer great, the Loomer Webster one. I'm keeping it on quietly because Loomer is out raising Webster, but I'm not sure if that's actually an indication that Webster's in trouble. Or if it's just Loomer being a lunatic and just getting the lunatic, you know, and donations as usual. <laughs> this is, that's definitely the New grift York vote, right? Like, yeah, the grift vote. Yeah, uh, the seat as the villages. Uh, she is crazy enough that she could maybe yeah. potentially put that seat into play. Um, like, she's gonna be. She's banned from every social media platform. She's banned from, I think, Uber Eats. She's banned from. <laughs> How do you credit get card? banned like, from? It, hold on, I think we need to talk about <laughs> this. How do you get banned from Uber Eats? I'm pretty sure her delivery person she assumed was a Muslim and then insulted him. Um, yeah, God, so she was banned was from say, Uber. Like, getting, so she's been getting banned from Uber. Like you drink a little bit too much and 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 throw up in the back of the car. But getting banned from yeah, Uber so she, she's gotta be tough. <laughs> yeah, she got banned from both Uber and Lyft after she accused she tweeted that she was not able to find a non-Muslim cab driver. Um, oh my God! Just sit in the. Okay, you can still be hateful and sit in the car with a Muslim. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, again, she's like just a legitimate nutcase. Um, yeah, well, and isn't she the one who pulled that? I'm handcuffing myself to Facebook. Yeah, it's a Twitter. Yeah. She to went Twitter. on stage, I think, like this this play, this Shakespeare in the Park play, and started yelling something. Like she's a lunatic. Yeah, she's banned from How- Uber Eats. She's banned from PayPal, from Twitter. Man, um, you have to be really hateful for Uber to not take your money. <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, before we close off, because I know Krause has got to go here in a few minutes. Uh, New York, yeah, New York 12, what are your thoughts? Uh, New York 12 and New York 10. It looks like in New York 12 that Jerry Nadler has a lead here over Carolyn Maloney, noted at anti-vaxxer and uh, N-word enthusiast, yes. uh, Carolyn Maloney. <laughs> yeah. it's, I never thought I'd be rooting for Jerry Nadler. <laughs> and here you are. It, this sucks. He's the lesser of three evils. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Nadler Nadler looks like he's in pretty good shape. Um, He got the Chuck Schumer endorsement. He got Chuck Schumer. He got the New York Times. 
I, I don't mm-hmm. see I don't see a world where Nadler loses. Um, if we're going for maximum chaos, though, I hope that world where he loses is one where he loses to Siraj Patel because mm-hmm. that would just be utter madness. <laughs> Um, and then I'm New York 10. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, I was gonna say New York 10, but yeah, go on. Um, New York it looks 10. like Dan Goldman has the advantage here. Um, it looks like I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But we don't really know. I, w- I would say tilt Goldman. Um, yeah. but progress the New York 10 other candidates seem to be employing a very strange strategy of anyone but goldman but none of us are going to drop out yeah uh, like Mondaire jones hold... and julie no both held rallies uh together uh carlina after... rivera and elizabeth holtzman did too yeah uh trump trump basically if you missed it over the week uh, over you know yesterday donald trump actually endorsed dan goldman very sarcastically I mean, this is very <laughs> clearly a joke endorsement uh, but immediately, Yuli knew, and I think Mondier Jones both jumped on this as like, well, look, Trump has endorsed Dan Goldman. You don't want to vote for the Trump-endorsed candidate, do you? <laughs> he also endorsed Carolyn Maloney, for that matter. <laughs> which, okay, Carolyn Maloney now has Matt Gates and Donald Trump endorsing her. I gotta say, if, <laughs> if, if, if Trump's endorsement uh, wins in a Democratic primary, we gotta count it for, like, double, right? Like, that's gotta be, like... Yeah. Yeah, that's really padding yeah. his win record. The Maloney one kind of makes sense. The Maloney one kind of makes sense, right? Because, you know, I- I'm assuming his district, you know, if it, that district, the portion it was representing uh, the, the silk stocking area of, of New York, that's yeah. probably where Trump lived. And he, pr- I- I'm pretty sure he had a fairly amenable relationship with New York City Democrats for quite a while, including Maloney. So I don't think that one's as sarcastic as the other one. Well, but the Dan Goldman one clearly oh, is a you- joke endorsement. You were taking that in a different direction. I thought we were both going to say they're vaguely racist Islamophobes. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, like, again, like, they fit the same similar profile with, like, I mean, yeah, that, that's actually pretty similar. Vaguely yeah, right. I mean, that, too. Like, if he's going to pick the two, if he's going to pick, yeah. If you're a Republican in the district, you're pretty clearly going to pick Carolyn Maloney. She's still liberal, but she also voted for some other things and is on cultural issues is less liberal, I guess, than. The Nadler kind of sometimes. I, I don't know. I, I feel like she's not exactly more conservative. She just, ha- she's a weird, like, she panders to the right without actually voting with them. No, 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 no. no wait, sorry. What you guys are looking for, okay, the description <laughs> is that she's Silk Stockings, New York, like, vaguely anti vaxxer vaguely just like unhappy like vague like just like she's just like she's like a cranky new yorker like that's like her like whole whole thing right and new yorkers new yorkers are just cranky before we go because i have to sign off in a minute but i do want to say i still think this entire primary saga is funny because it's it's what happens when um people from new york um aren't treated like the center of the universe uh, the after these maps were passed, I want to just recall how absolutely batshit a bunch of the New York Democrats went on Twitter. Um, Hakeem Jeffries was basically calling for the independent state legislature's doctrine, saying that the, uh, the, <laughs> the special master, the special master was overriding the democratic will of the people of New York. Um, so that that was very funny. Um, I also think it was very funny that the Upper East and Upper West Side had to be in the same district. Um, they they swore up and down they were very different places um 
It's going to be really funny when the upper and uh, or when the east and west side both vote for the same candidate. Yeah, I also think um, it was very funny. Like, I mean, I think I think you're forgetting, Dylan. Um, one side, one side is rich white people on the west side of Central Park, and the other side is rich white people on the east side of Central Park. They're both going to be the only places who vote for Dan Goldman. So, yeah, what you're forgetting here, what you're forgetting here is both rich and the ones in the west are somewhat more Jewish and the ones on the the east are somewhat, or the ones on the east are somewhat more Protestant and the ones on the west are somewhat more Jewish. These are very, very major differences in cultures. Totally irreconcilable. I would also, Um, I would also like to say that um, I think that I think this was a VRA violation because if there's one group that does not get adequate representation in Congress, it is rich white people from major uh, metropolitan areas. So I think that I think this was pretty fucked up by the special master. Oh, this map is getting struck down. This map is totally getting redrawn, and we're gonna have another curse to New York ten primary in like two years. Like, is there even any doubt? I mean, it, it depends on what the court says about the independent state legislatures. Um, I don't think the, the New York Supreme Court's going to go up against itself so quickly. Um, the New York because like they, the, they was basically they still the North lost Carolina two. Supreme like, Court's about to. Uh, that's going from a four to three to a five to two. New York was technically was a two person majority, and only one of them is against it. The other one, like people said, it was a one it was a one vote decision, but the one vote was it wanted to kick it back to the legislature to redraw. I don't think that one vote now that the chief justice is gone is, is now going to go ahead and say, yeah, the legislature still gets to do this again and again and again. Like that doesn't, it doesn't seem like on merits. That's what they would side with, but it really depends, but we, we should let Kraz get going here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on this tune in Tuesday. We'll be hosting live election coverage. Uh, well, Joe may not be able to be there again. He's got some stuff he's dealing with right now. So it may just be the rest of the crew, but we will be there on Tuesday covering these two very important primaries. Oh, it's um, going to be some of the last of the big state so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very weird. Night. All right, well, later, guys. Yep, yep, yep. But be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast, whatever you're watching it from. Uh, like us on uh, Anchor uh, Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite podcast providers are probably there. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, any of them. Uh, it really does help us out. We're over 530 subscribers on YouTube now, which is really cool. We love the support you guys are giving. Keep it, keep the ball going. We're hoping to gain more in November. But yeah, again, thank you guys for watching. We'll be here next week, and we'll be here on Tuesday. Be sure to tune on on Tuesday for that primary coverage.